Mills to Ablett. Oh, Justin Madden's got the set, one hand. Oh, oh the post is broken, Matthews hit it. Oh, talk about a he-man. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your football life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Ah, uh, Matthew, we're here again with part two of Kevin Sheedy's career. We had his playing career last week and it was just fantastic. Uh, including three premierships at Punt Road and his uh, affinity with people like Kevin Bartlett and Tom Hafey and the rest of the stars down there. Now we turn our attention to his coaching and his life as a promoter of the game. And just in uh, reference to Kevin, 251 games between 67 and 79 at Richmond, three-time premiership player, Richmond team of the century, 29 years VFL, AFL coach of Essendon and GWS, four-time premiership coach, Australian Football Hall of Fame. And if you missed last week's first encounter of Kevin Sheedy, the player at Richmond, here's a little bit of what we discovered. Well, hardly there would be not many footies around because not many kids had the money to have a football. So we used to obviously play with tennis balls and rolled up paper footies and that sort of stuff. And that was pretty good because it was just innovative. You know, we had a great time. Very challenging. Uh, it was dog eat dog. You, know, you want to get a game and you don't. And Kevin Bartlett and I, we actually started off in Melbourne zones. We lived in South Yarra, which was actually belonged to Melbourne. You know, we got to um, our teenage years. Uh, we were sort of um, down at Richmond at the right time because all of a sudden they recruited a guy called Tom Hafe. Carlton had a magnificent day that day. They kicked some very freakish, fantastic goals and deserved their win. Look, we come back and won the next two premierships. Every now and then you could teach them something along the way. Uh, even though you don't have the talent and the ability of uh, these guys, um, throw an Ian Stewart, don't forget him, and mm. and then you, you balance it out with a guy like Brian Wood. Well, there it is, folks. Now we get into the real stuff. When did the time come whether you or someone suggested to you that your time as a player was coming to an end because it comes to us all? Can you remember that? Oh, yeah, look, it was um, probably just about the start of 79, Mm. Um, I'd broken my leg playing for um, Australia and Ireland and um, lot, that would have been missed by most people. Obviously, it happened over there. So there was Alan Martella and myself sitting in the Dublin hospital, both with broken legs and uh, getting trying to get up to get back and play was very difficult in that early part of um, 1979. So uh, probably five, five weeks in, um, Graham and I uh, had a talk about it and... Um, and the proposition was uh, to go into coaching as soon as possible. So uh, Richmond changed the contract from playing into a full-time coach as development officer, assistant coach with Tony Jewell. Can you take us through the approach from Essendon? Were there approach from other people? Were you now focused uh, into that program at Richmond that I would like to coach at the highest level and it may not be my beloved Tigers? Take us on the journey that saw you end up at Windy Hill for the very first time as senior coach? Uh, I don't know whether you remember Brian from Brian Speed Shop. Do. Yeah, and uh, David Efron. Um, I used to train with David uh, down at a gym, Stan Nichols. David Efron is David's Tim Brett and Danny Long, and uh, we're still great mates. And uh, they got me in an interview with, uh, you'd say, Alan Hurd and Greg Sewell back in 1976. So that's the first time I was Possibly to look at coaching Essendon after I was uh, one of the best and fairest at Richmond. Mm. So, um, and along with that was probably Lindsay Thompson probably mentioned to Alan Hurd that if you're going to want to get a coach out of 
Richmond that was going to be The made. former Premier, Lindsay Thompson, mm. one of the great Richmond people, is yeah. suggesting to Essendon that they get a Richmond player. Now it comes out. I must mention that to Murray. Mention it to Murray, but Murray and I have been good friends, and um, obviously Lindsay, uh, and I used to see Lindsay yeah. in his home in East Melbourne. So there's a lot of... And, of course, Alan Hurd was the Minister of Basic Education with um, with Lindsay. So they're both in government, mm. and um, or head of education, I should say. So... Look, their friendship probably ended up getting me my first interview at Essendon, but by the time I said no, I don't think and I don't believe playing cages are the way to go in 76. Yeah. Probably took another four years. Yeah. You think that was well and truly dusted? Uh, the last one probably uh, Malcolm Blight, was it? And yeah. uh, you've got to have a really good team around you. Nichols uh, Premiership, uh, Teddy Whitten, the last of the Bastion sort of rah, rah, rah. So think, the, the game so. had passed you by rather than the idea? I don't think I think the idea was um, not right. Yeah. I, personally, I think that uh, you don't see playing coaches in gridiron, and you don't see playing no. so- coaches in soccer. Kevin so. Sheedy has joined us right around the nation. It's great to have a chat. When you arrived at Windy Hill, I need to get to a few important things there. When you arrived at Windy Hill, did you have to make some tough decisions on some favourite sons who you didn't think were part of the early future, as you in charge of them? Oh, we, we're making decisions all the time, but you know we had a forest of players, they were tall players everywhere, and um, you know I mean the hard one probably in them was between Justin Madden and Simon Madden because we've got Paul Salmon waiting ready to come yeah. in. Then you've got Max Crow, Stephen Torbett, Crackers Keenan. Goodness me, they're all Ron six Andrews, foot six, six foot nine. Yeah, Phil Carman was small, Tim Watson was oh, small. Yeah, and the best mark was Terry Denner. So we had people who could catch a ball anywhere, yeah. everywhere, and we had no rovers hardly. Hardly had a rover and the ball's on the ground. So all of those sorts of decisions had to be made. Yeah. Um, look, we were very unlucky. Even when we cleared a lot of play, oh, Ron Andrews was another one. So we got the decision pretty well right. We upset a few people, obviously, but but that um, happens. That happens. Um, and in the end, like we we won twenty one matches in our first year. We won the five games in the preseason comp and beat Carlton in the grand final. Mm. About fifty five thousand. They were played during the week. And we were very unlucky. We won 16 wins and got beaten in the elimination final with 16 wins. Yeah. It's a pretty tight competition. 83, <laughs> 84, 85 was the absolute uh, pinnacle of what footy's all about. And it all involved the rivalry between Essendon and Hawthorne. <clears throat> it was very raw and it was very real, wasn't it? Because uh, you could not have got a bigger clash of two sporting teams anywhere in the world. It was just on. Yeah, no, it uh, certainly was. Um, it was probably, uh, and it needed to be on because we needed to get better and we needed to sort of shape up or, or you know, just be another sort mm. of club in the middle of the order of um, mm. where footy is. And uh, so, we look, we went after a different type of player. We went after a sort of, we, we appointed Noel Jokins full-time, which I thought was a great decision by the club. And they had the uh, audacity to appoint m- myself full-time. So we could actually spend more time developing the, the, the club's future as, which is you know now as well as you know the next five years, and so Noel and I probably were there for about ten years or so. Yeah, um, and he did a marvelous job. I mean, we got Long, Leon Baker, you know, all these players, Duckworth and Ezards, and so he had done a marvelous job. And uh, so that decision was right. It was very heavily discussed at the board that you know why would you want to have a full time recruiting officer? I said because we live on the biggest island in the world, mm. and the best player might be hiding behind a rock. Or a hard place. Anyway, so 
anyway, he, can't, he, he was very, very good. So Brian Donahoe was my chairman of selectors, and um, he was brilliant, and I had a very, very good board. Yeah, it's, certainly. But those players were just absolutely amazing household names. How many people on the list do you reckon you had that could get in your best 20 at any stage of their best form? I'm still a very big uh, proponent of the fact that if you want to win the flag, you've got to have 28 blokes virtually who can get a game for another lead side. Did you feel you had that in that group in the early to mid-80s? Uh, well, at the start, no, but at the end, um, probably by the middle of the 80s, yes, mm. you know, because we could let players go and... You know, you're going to see that with the Giants now coming through. You know, they got, they've probably got 33 players who play at AFL clubs. They've already let yeah. Josh Bruce go. They've already let uh, Miles go. They've already let um, Dom Tyson go, yeah. uh, Homsch. So these are very good players at the club. So I think in the end, you know, um, I looked at the seconds of the Giants last week, the reserves and the Giants. So I think that probably Essendon around that period had... Mm. Probably 30. Out of the break, we're going to talk about the Anzac Day, which has just become something incredible, your tremendous association with Indigenous Australians. Uh, but you clearly love dealing with people and you clearly love dealing with people who want to learn. And Essendon was the best uh, launching pad for that, wasn't it? They were ready for someone not only to coach them, but to teach them not only about footy, but about life in some instances with your young charges. Look, I think that, um, you know, people like Ken Fraser and Neville Gay and Ron Evans were very, very serious uh, developers of people and develops the opportunities for the players to learn as well as play footy. I think that was a very important part of the ethos of the club. The supporters enjoyed it, I think, in the end. I think they knew that we were going on a road trip mm. from, uh, you know, where they were to where they could be excited. Yeah. Uh, clearly... Uh, you know, by the time we got through beaten by Collingwood in 1990, uh, we needed to sort of look at a whole new program. Um, so we went to the MCG. Um, but you can't take 17,000 people from Windy Hill to the MCG because no. you'll go broke. Yeah. So I was sent over to um, do a creative thinking course in Florida uh, at Disney World um, by Ron Evans and, and the Red and Blacks, who were a coterie group. So... When I come back with basically Anzac Day and Dreamtime, and I'm now working on a major project called National Farmers Day. So Country Farmers Day could be the as big as, or oh, should be as big as the other two. Never stop thinking, do you? I reckon once you stop thinking, you're going backwards. Yeah, well, I won't stop thinking, you know that. I understand. That's great to have you on board. Uh, dear friend and uh, Premiership uh, companion Kevin Sheedy uh, joins me today right around Australia. And out of the break, we then get to the real pointy end of the Essendon job and then we head north to GWS to start up a new club. Right around Australia for Tobin Brothers celebrating the footy life of Kevin Sheedy. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Celebrating the life right around the nation and in parts uh, further than that on the internet. Uh, this is your football life for Tobin Brothers, Kevin Sheedy. Um, does anything get the better of you as a person or a coach or have we seen it all publicly or is it like the duck on the pond looks okay but the legs are going pretty quick underneath? Uh, Look, I know. I, I um, pretty well um, I chill out and have a good time in the garden, have a red here and there with my friends and... I don't get over the top um, 
But when I get an idea, I go after it if I believe in it. Mm. I, think, I think Country Farmers Day is... I'm on the I think that's amazing if we could involve something in fish in farm dams to clean the water and let kids fish. It'd be just absolutely sensational. No, there's a lot in it. Yeah, there, there, there is a lot, lot in it. Take us back a long time. The first time the seed started to just grow in your mind about an Anzac Day clash between Collingwood and Essendon. Take us back to the first time you thought, hmm, this is interesting. Look, I, uh, it, it happened when Tom Havey came back to coach against Richmond in 1977. With Collingwood? Yes. Yep. And that was the biggest crowd I've ever seen the home and away game. And that was to a side that won the wooden spoon the previous year under Murray Wiedemann. Such was the power and the energy of Hafey uh, that he brought to Victoria Park. Yeah. Well, he brought energy to everywhere he went. Mm. And um, look, when over 92,000 come to the game, and that's two suburbs next door to each other, that mm. only Victoria Street actually um, Abbotsford is the difference between the suburbs that's quite an amazing powerful event to happen so it showed you that Anzac Day could be something special but I felt you know I just felt probably 20 years later sort of it was falling asleep you know and um, being a, a defence force person and very happy that I was a national service person yes. um, I thought I owed the people that um, went to Vietnam because I thought that we didn't treat the Vietnam vets that well when they come home. So in the end, Anzac Day was a great opportunity, it was a, a stage that you could actually reinvent what should have happened and be very proud of the Vietnam uh, Defence Forces because uh, it, it wasn't their fault that they had to go there. They were told, and most people in the Defence Forces are told what they've got to do. Yeah. And so there's a bit of feeling there, and I thought we had to get that and rectify it. Other than that, I thought the Anzac Day was falling asleep and we needed to um, make a stance on that, so I rang Gubby. And, uh, we went Gubby Allen? Yeah, we went and saw Bruce Ruxin. With, uh, now, to get your CEOs, and, and um, obviously that's important, I think, so David Shaw from our club and our CEO, Roger Hampson, loved the idea, went with it, and, um, and Gubby went and got his president, Donald hmm. Callister. And the rest is history. Exactly. And I think the greatest thing I said on a radio program a couple of years ago was you won't hear a pin drop now. Mm. And I can remember in the early days people would yell out mm. and Ron Barassi stood beside myself overlooking the MCG when you were coaching Eston and gave one of the greatest sprays to people who didn't stop and was, were not silent. And it was just absolutely great. Indigenous people, they're, they're close to your heart. Where was the first time that you thought there was something special out there that needed bottling and needed uh, opportunities to achieve what some of our great people have done under your tutelage? Uh, that would have started um, going away doing the coaching trips with Richmond mm. and probably really kicked in when um, Wild Roberts and Neil Baum took me to, uh, in 1974, to Tiwi Islands. Yeah. And I'd never seen people so different than what I saw in Chapel Street, South Yarra. <laughs> so it was an awakening for me. I thought, mate, I don't even know my own country here, and this is pathetic. Mm. And I've been in the army and been out of the army. So it's a learning stepping stone along the way in life. And um, so I promised them if I ever get the coach, I'll, uh, I'll come back up and bring the team I coach. And uh, yeah. I didn't think I'd coach Eston. I thought I'd coach maybe, you know, Glenelg or Sturt or Norwood, something like that. So I just thought it'd be a plane flight from Adelaide straight up to Darwin and mm. play the games. But anyway, it was the Bombers. 
the jacket waving is just synonymous. Every time you see Channel 7, they put a highlight on it. It was early 90s and West Coast were the team. But uh, in 93, uh, you had a, a probably, well, they were deemed the baby bombers. And I was a, uh, well, they were, as against 2000, you know, where they were all seasoned men and ready to go bang. Mm. Must have been just so exciting and take you back to the days at Punt Road. With these kids were playing under nineteens two years ago, and now they're household names. Isn't it great? <laughs> they're exciting. Hey, and, and you've made it happen. How about that? Look, it was a very exciting year for us. We didn't expect to win the premiership at the start because um, if you look back in the history, I think somebody said we were forty or fifty or one. So, and we weren't. We weren't even thinking about it. We mm. we sort of at the end of ninety two was just putting in young Hurd and young McCurry and looking at our list and. Um, and even at the start of the year, we, we put in Dustin Pletcher, mm. year 12 student, it's, and he's going to be the fullback. And uh, so, you know, he's played 40 and 40 years of age and 400 games or later. So, look, you've got to take a bit of courage and uh, convince people to do this. And this is what leadership's about. So, look, you know, don't worry about losing. Mm. Don't worry about losing as long as, as long as you're losing in the correct manner. And, um, you know, like it took, if you look back and and I've lost 240 games at Essendon, say, well, you know, it cost you 60 losses of premiership or 27 losses of every grand final. So mm. I'll cop that. That's yeah, fine. I think anyone would, mm. so. particularly if they'd never played in one. You know what I mean? I just yeah. think players that say, oh, it didn't matter that I didn't play in a premiership. I said, we want to come to a reunion and see what that means because mm. it's all about the team. Mm. We'll get to GWS in a moment. I need to ask you, and people are expecting me to ask you, the current damage of the brand at Essendon and, more importantly, the brand of AFL. And when will we see the end of it? Because people are, number one, sick of it, and it's clearly affecting the most important people in the football club, and they are the players who are playing at times. I, I like to think I can recognise it. It might be a bit heavy. Without soul, I think that's very unhealthy. Look, I think that... Um our club at the moment has uh, probably uh, gone through the most difficult period of its career, um, over 140-odd years, and I think that we're probably coming out of this now, and that'll be pleasing for everybody. But it's a great lesson for everybody in sport because, you know, we want our sport right, and we've got to get it right. And young players are confronted with everybody. You're always going to have leeches coming in, Rex, from the whole of outside to bring in what they perceive as the next best thing that can help you win. So mm. it's a great lesson for not only the Bombers, but for every sporting club and every sport in the history of not only Australia. So let's work through this eventually, get it right, and we know that that's never to happen again. Mm. It's quite simple like that. Um, to me, the three years will be over very soon. We'll get um, recommendations and what WADA's opinion of it is. Uh, not many people know and understand what WADA do. Uh, they're normally for an in, uh, international sort of sports, generally. Um, but everybody is uh, probably tired of it. But it's been a great lesson for everybody and everybody in sport. Offend is a big word. But were you less than satisfied with the fact that people thought you'd add your time at Essendon because of your age? You know, people like myself have been through the same thing. I went yeah. through the same thing at 3RW because you can't be there that long and still perform at your best. Tell us about the last few years when clearly uh, you started to think, what am I doing here? And more importantly, the people at high you are saying, what's he doing here? Well, look, that does come into it. But look, if I had my time again, I probably should have left when I had to sack the four boys. Really? Yeah, I think that was just... Um 
take us through that again and, and oh, how well, it played on your mind. Well, to ring up, because the, some of the boys are overseas and players like Carousella and Heffern and Bonfield. All premiership players? Yeah, oh, yeah, in the middle of their career. Mm. And then go and sit down with Damien Harwood and say, look, I can offer you it. Get a like, three-contract deal at uh, Port Adelaide for you. And, um, and I thought, you know, this guy's got one year to go, but I, I'd rather do the right thing by him. But, mm. you know, when, when you don't run the salary cap, you just have to deliver the message sometimes. So that was a probably finishing around the 2003-04 period. Yeah. I probably should have left that. GWS... Look, I, I know you'd still love to be involved because you're like me, age is no barrier. It's what you feel from inside, your heart and your mind. But to see some of these kids come on from young potential kids to grown men who will make their own way in the game, look at you, you've, you've, you've chubbed up there in the cheeks and that, you look fantastic, mate. You, you feel good about it. I do. I, well, you know, I was um, David Matthews and... and um Vladimir Dimitro, uh, my dear friend, but look, they were very courageous with the commission to put a team in, in Western Sydney, and we've got the name right, we've got the song right, I think we've got the colours right, and right in the middle of a, a global financial crisis, and um, when I went there with Geraldine, we had no one there, no one to pick up at the airport, there was no board, there was no chairman, there was no, you know, it was quite amazing, no players had arrived yet, but go and find a place where you can bed a team down in the west of Sydney, and um, I'd say that uh, we've got it right. You introduced Lynn and I on the 11th of November 1968, and I uh, thank you, you very much. Yes, well, Lynn and I, as you know, after 44 years, are happily married. I'm happy, and Lynn's married. But <laughs> well, surely, with, with Gen and Geraldine and the girls <laughs> and uh, and young Sam, who's, you know, uh, the son of a gun, um, it's taken its toll, and you have to work on it. But, yeah. uh, you know, you hear you're talking about your kids, and you're just as much a dad as you are a football man, aren't you? Well, you have to be, but yeah. that's the way it is. It's good. Um, uh, uh, Chelsea's getting married, which is wow. fantastic. And that's we've had three weddings in the last four years, so that's been uh, challenging, but <laughs> a bit exciting. Uh, so I think in the end, uh, what you do is um, you know do the best you can. And if you know, I tell everybody in general that uh, life's a gift from your parents, and don't let them down. Okay, we thank you for your time. Favourite player, coach, this is a hard one. The favourite player of all time who you coached? Well, oh, I did that sad. I used to think Merritt was fantastic. Um, Roger know, Merritt, Roger wow. Merritt. Well, he, because he came from nowhere, actually, yeah. in the end. Obviously, Kevin Walsh and Dean Wallace. So, you know, when you see these guys pushing, you know, that well-known cart uphill, <laughs> um, and they're running around with absolute superstars. Yeah. But these guys did it hard, and... Um, and even guys like Mark Harvey, you know, to you know, see a guy six foot play centre half back mm. in the premiership. And his first two years at Windy Hill was a back to back premiership player driving a uh, tractor mowing the lawn. With Barnes. Isn't it a fantastic? With, but with John Barnes, which yeah. made it difficult. Most, uh, the coach who you've most admired coaching against, despite the fact that you mightn't invite him for a red? Uh, I thought. Robert Walls was one of the better coaches I coached against, to be honest. Uh, very challenging. Uh, had a difficult period in his career, I reckon. Won a premiership and had to depart Carlton very quickly. I don't mm. know what happens with these good clubs that no. the coaches go. But um, a lot of good theory and uh, learning from David Parkin, I always felt. Lee Matthews beat me in two grand finals. So mm. uh, that, that, you've got to give credit to that because we had good sides when, when he did beat us. The best, uh, I thought Blight was exciting. 
I like. I, I, yeah. thought, I thought at Geelong they couldn't help him win a premiership. He was out there, wasn't he? Yeah, he was right out there. Yeah. I liked that. Yeah. Um, but I thought when he went to Adelaide, he got his reward. It's been great to chat to you. I could go on for another week, but you've got things to do and so have I. And uh, great memories. We've been lifetime friends through footy and thanks for your time today. Thank you very much, Rex. Kevin Sheedy across Australia. And if you'd like to hear the extended version of this interview, check out facebook.com forward slash Tobin Brothers Funerals or follow us on Twitter at Rex Footy Live. Twitter there, how about that? Like a tweet with a canary. This has been Kevin Sheedy with This Is Your Football Life. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Celebrating Lives.